guys have a height college athletics. I mean, that's a big deal. You should have yourself in the back. You know, that's a great school. But anyway, you guys are at the height, so really congratulations to be at this level right now. Uh, one of the things I wanted to uh, share with you guys um, and to think about is, you know, have you ever thought of your identity, you know, other than what it is in God? You know, have you ever uh, put something else as your identity, something other than God? Is it your athletics? You know, is it your girlfriend, your boyfriend? I want you to think about that. This is a, a quote from Tony Dungy, uh, Indianapolis Colts uh, Super Bowl. Uh, winner for the Indianapolis Colts years ago. He says, as an NFL coach, I receive performance evaluations every day from multitudes of people, many of whom are completely unqualified to offer a valid critique. Those, excuse me, that's how it is for anyone in the public eye, especially those in a performance-oriented field. Everyone thinks they know how the job should be done. I decided long ago that I wouldn't listen to all the chatter on talk radio, but I would pay attention to some of the criticisms from the reputable sources. Of course, I put more stock in what my superiors, assistant coaches, and players said, but I would also analyze some of the comments from sports writers to see what might be helpful. It's important to listen to criticisms if you want to improve at anything. But I also decided long ago that I wouldn't let any criticism affect my sense of who I am. When you understand the difference between who you are and what you do, you can handle criticism a lot better. I know I'm a child of God, creating me with certain strengths and limitations, and he knows about all of them. When people point out my strengths, it doesn't make me proud, and when they point out my limitations, it doesn't change my identity. I am and always will be a child of God. That attitude had to be a conscious decision because it's easy to let others define us. It happens naturally if we aren't intentional about remembering who we are and when our performance reviews are negative, whether from our actual employers or, or from the unofficial commentators around us, it can be devastating. If we can't separate what we do from who we are, we'll be defined by the words of people who really aren't qualified to shape our identities. And if their words are negative, our perception of ourselves takes a huge blow. Remember that you are not a career or any other responsibility you have to perform. No matter what anyone else thinks, your relationship with God defines your identity. If you are His child, you cannot be shaken. The uncommon key is what uh, Dungeon talks about. Only God is qualified to find your identity. Learn from others' opinions, but refuse to let your identity be shaped by them. Learn to see yourself as God sees you. So that was, that was pretty good for you guys. For all of us, actually. So I'm going to tell my story. It's not a pretty story at times. But, um, So I'm here talking about Jesus. Now I'm a Jewish guy. So I used to hate the name hear it. Um, a lot of us Jewish guys grow up. You know, I'll, I'll start my story. You know, we were in New York. I was left when I was six years old. We moved to Weaverville, North Carolina. A little small town. Coming from New York City. And um, one of the first introductions I got to Christianity 
was uh, playing in the front yard with a couple kids, and they asked, what am I? And I said, I was Jewish. And I thought about that a lot lately, that that was what my answer was, I'm Jewish. So the kids said I was a Christ fan. So that was my introduction to Christianity. So that, that was quite a shock, and that was, that was my intro. So, you know, growing up in that environment, as only Jewish kid throughout through high school. So elementary school, um, you know, get along, meet people. I make friends pretty easy. My brother's a couple years old, he's bright red hair, and he didn't want to move, and, you know, he had a hard time making friends. But I made friends. And uh, so middle school comes along. I'm going to Hebrew school. I'm, I get my bar, I'm a bar mitzvah. Um, no Jewish guys here. I tell some stories. But, uh, so I had my bar mitzvah. And, you know, one of the things about bar mitzvahs is a lot of Jewish people, you know, we go to Hebrew school and learn and memorize a lot of information. We have our bar mitzvah, which is basically a, uh, a service to Friday night, Saturday morning. And so after that, a lot of Jewish guys don't go back to synagogue very often. And so that's what I did. I didn't want to go back to synagogue. We had high holiday services. We'd go to Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. And we always celebrated Passover, which was, you know, amazing being a Christian believer looking back at what Passover represents, you know. So that's, that was pretty powerful after becoming a Christian. So uh, that's middle school. High school comes along. I'm on the wrestling team. And after about two weeks, I'm like, coach, I don't think I'll make it. I got to quit. And he says, your mom just bought you wrestling. She was sitting out a little long. So I'm happy you talked me into it. So I stayed with wrestling. And uh, it was, you know, it's great when you find your sport. You guys remember we found your sport. So wrestling was my sport. I ran track. I was the worst pole ball team I've ever met. And uh, played football in senior year as well. But through high school, um, you know, I don't have a lot of direction. My dad's not really involved. My mom's kind of just driving me to matches and then comes to my tournaments. But uh, not a lot of, you know, direction. You know, I don't have a role model. I don't have a mentor, you know, greeting the truth into me. And so I'm hanging out with college, my high school buddies and, you know, learn to drink beer and smoke pot, you know, I was just learning, this is what I saw. And so, uh, you know, when the guys pulled that out, you know, it wasn't a big surprise. My dad was smoking weed for every night, so I, I knew what that was. But um, again, you know, no direction. So later on, I'm having a good year, my junior year, I'm wrestling well, winning some tournaments. And uh, my dad is laid off from a, a minimum job, he's a manager of the minimums. And uh, he goes back to his buddies in New York City and he starts dealing cocaine. So that was my high school at the time. My dad was a drug dealer. And so I remember one time, you know, I'm, I'm just living, you know, I'm a junior, I'm a cocky wrestler, you know, I'm feeling good about myself. And um, I come home one time because I have a briefcase full of cocaine. And so I just left my bed, like nothing, nothing different. So that's why I was around that. He had tons of pornography. It's just, not a good house in the end. So he starts dealing drugs, and uh, my mom leaves. And she wants me to go with her, but I was close to my girlfriend's house in my high school, so I stayed at the house. But um, one day I got called to the office, and uh, these detectives were in there, and I said, hey, you know, your dad was pulled over the airport, and I think he was putting drugs. I sat there, like, not surprised a bit. You know, I just knew it was going to happen. And the detective said, you know where he is? You know, obviously, I was surprised. I said, you know, I was seeing you get caught. So 
they said I need to search the house, and I'm like, that's fine, but I have to make a wait. You know, tomorrow I got a match, so I got to make a wait, so I'll meet you there after, after practice. So they searched the house and find whatever. And uh, I remember the next day, my match, I pulled the best fireman's carry bomb you ever saw. So I beat the tar of this kid. It was a great match. But uh, you know that was um, that was my high school. I remember though before that that night, you know after the detectives left and searched the house, I was all by myself. You know and I prayed to God. I prayed. Um, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus at this time. I, I just prayed, and I, I just knew that you know I was all by myself. And um, my mom was out of town. Don't have cell phones. And it was just I really felt like I should be crying right now. My dad's a wanted man, I'm just sitting here by myself in this house, and so that was just um, a real awakening to me. Fast forward, you know, college comes, my high school coaches, you know, no direction, so my high school coaches referred me to App State, um, and they both went there, and I said, all right, I'll go there, again, it sounds good, why not? So I got into App, uh, my SAT scores pretty bad, so it's amazing I got in, but um, anyway, uh, it would happen, kind of the same thing in college. You know, meeting guys and the rest of my walk on, and uh, I'm hanging out with these guys, we're drinking, we're partying, we're chasing women, and you know, not not great stuff. You know, um, I wasn't coming to groups like this. God bless you guys. I mean, this is just a beautiful thing. Um, so college, you know, just just doing the deal. Um, I'm getting by, very me focused. You know, um, we all were just kind of running through. And so um, after college, or at the end of college, I'll be my wife now. We've been married 30 years this year. And uh, you can give a round of applause for that. <laughs> so uh, 30 years. And so uh, I graduated. I uh, started selling office equipment for six months. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. In the summers of college, I made tables in Nashville. And so uh, after six months of selling copies, I, I got to go. So I went back to the restaurants, started learning how to and so uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm in the restaurant business, and uh, so I ended up moving to Raleigh, where my wife is, and I called some wrestling buddies to get a place in Raleigh. We're living there, and my wife says, "If you love this business, why don't you start managing?" So it was like the women are really smart guys. So I said, yeah, great idea. So I started managing the restaurant. And great, you know, thankfully, I was, I was good at what I was doing. And so uh, I, I moved up quick. Um, and things were, you know, that was 92. Uh, we get married. 95, Green comes along. And soon after, um, uh, Michelle's like, we got to get a great church. And I'm thinking, well, why not synagogue? You know, I'm not practicing my Judaism. I'm stressed, but I'm feeling, well, she should know Judaism. And so we go to the synagogue one time, just wasn't, didn't feel right. Michelle had a great church, and we went there. And every time the pastor said Jesus, I said, just think God. I said God, not Jesus. Again, I didn't want to hear Jesus. That word Jesus really cringed me. It really bothered me. It bothers a lot of Jewish guys. It's bothered me. And so um, we went to church. The pastor was good. And uh, I listened. You know, I didn't listen. Fast forward, um, we're in Charlotte, from Raleigh to Charlotte, uh, managing restaurants, like three different restaurants, five years each. I'm pretty good at what I'm doing. And so, um, Charlotte, we're in Charlotte, we're going to church, Brianne wants to be baptized. And one day, Michelle says, well, Brianne's a little awkward about telling you, 
about her being baptized. And I, I looked at my wife and said, I want her to have whatever you have. And my wife had to be still Jesus. She, in her heart, she was, she was very, she is a very peaceful yoga kind of person. But she has the peace of God. And so I told her, I said, I want her to have whatever you have. I don't have it. Because I have emptiness. And I have emptiness in my blood. And so uh, Brianne's baptized. And, you know, she's on fire for the Lord way back then. And so I managed this really nice restaurant in Charlotte. And one day, uh, my business partner now comes in. And he's checking out the restaurant. And his wife are eating. And he wants a tour. And I tour him around. And uh, we start the conversation. He writes me a letter like a week or two later. He wants to open another restaurant in Winston. He wanted me to consult him. So being you know, a little cocky, I was like, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. And uh, it felt good. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. Things never transpired. So a year goes by, he calls again. Couldn't hook up. Another year. So third year comes by. And he says, uh, I'm coming to Charlotte. Sit down with me. If you don't like what I'm saying, I'll never bother you again. So I meet him in Charlotte, and he introduced himself as a Christian businessman. And remember, that means nothing to me. See, I'm a non-practicing Jewish guy. Let's open a restaurant. So again, I was like dumbfounded. Like, Christian? What is Christian? What is, what is that? What is that to be a Christian? So I was never, I was around, I was never around someone that professed his faith and was something was a lie. I never saw that lie. So, my wife over the years, when guys asked me to open up restaurants and bars with them, and she always called them a bar rat, the bar rats. I said, well, it's not, you know, it's not a bar rat. So, we uh, ended up, long story short, we get together, we built this beautiful restaurant in Winston-Salem. Lots of ups and downs, but we ended up building a great restaurant. And so, let's say, maybe six months, we're going to be 17 years old uh, July 1st. Our restaurant will be 17 years, which is a big accomplishment. And so, in, after six months, uh, my business partner said, Hey, we have a men's group that can we remind from me here in the mornings? So I was like, That's fine, no big deal. So, I'd be there in the mornings when we got the restaurant, and he'd always ask me, You want to come in and you know, listen, sit in and listen? I'm like, Nah, you know, Christianity's a crutch, I don't need any of that. And so, uh, finally, then one day, I for whatever reason, I went in. And so a group is called the New Canaan Society. Um, they're all over the country. It's a small group that started small, and it's just grown tremendously. It's amazing. So look it up, New Canaan Society. But it's for men only. We need it way worse than we win. So it's men. The great thing about this is it's guys who are transparent. You know, it's guys you know, I've never had some man be transparent, you know, to speak. You know, about his failures and his shortcomings. I, I never saw that before. You know, these successful guys, like they're talking about their life, and, you know, they, they, they adulterers, gambleholics, this guy couldn't stop gambling, uh, alcoholics, just, they're okay sharing their life because they knew Jesus. It didn't bother them to share it. And that was powerful to me. You know, I never was with a, another man that was able to share and be transparent. So I was really intrigued by this. And so I started going every week. And these guys, you know, Christians love a Jewish guy. <laughs> they love a guy kicking the entire Christianity. So uh, I was getting a ton of books. Boy, I got too many books. And uh, I got some great, um, I got a great tape. Uh, 
about this guy. Bob, you might have heard the story. I can't remember the guy's name, though. He came to Carolina. He was a Jewish guy. And he prayed. And he was over everything. He prayed about his cat, his dog. And uh, he was miracle after miracle after miracle because he was sticking the cop tires to Christianity also. It's a great, great take. But I, I read this book about a rabbi also. And, you know, he was being sent to New York from Israel. And he got the New Testament. And he read it. He said, where's this been? I've never seen this. You know, and he jumped right on board. The Messiah has come. And it was really powerful to me. So during this time, I, I read the uh, New Testament. I reread the Old Testament because I grew up with the Old Testament. And it all makes so much sense. I mean, it was amazing how much sense and all the prophecies in the Old Testament were true with Jesus. So it was just, it was just an eye-opening experience. Um, Leanne gave me the uh, Gospels years and years ago. Read that my wife, my father-in-law, before he died, as said, promised me over the New Testament. And so all these things are happening, and this ministry opened my eyes to what being a real man is. And uh, it was just over, overpowering. It was amazing. So one day I uh, was sitting at table four in a restaurant, and I asked Christ into my heart. And it was like I was filled up. I had an emptiness. I, I was successful, beautiful wife, beautiful, strong daughter. But I had this emptiness in my gut. Something was missing. And the minute I asked Christ in my heart, I was filled up. It was, it was like I felt I felt the room move. I mean, I really had a personal, unbelievable experience with Jesus. So after that, um, I was on fire. <laughs> and so I remember um, a few years before that, I, uh, I told Michelle, Michelle, Prayed in Jesus' name on the dinner table. I lost it. I said, Don't ever use his name in my house again. Don't ever pray in Jesus' name. This was a few years before I could push. And I, what, then, then, you know, she's like, Well, there's another whole argument about that. But, um, and then another time I was like, um, She asked me, Well, have you ever converted? Have you ever been thinking about converting? Because I was going to church. I was like, There's no way. There's no way I ever believe in Jesus. You know, there's just no way. And so here I am talking about Jesus, the love in my heart. Uh, we talk about being saved, born again, resurrection. This is crazy talk to this Jewish guy. Crazy, really unbelievable. But that personal experience I had with Christ, this Holy Spirit, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And being around guys, it took a bunch of guys. Really. My wife's been praying forever. But it took a bunch of guys for me to really see um, the light. So that was really powerful. Um, so, you know, the years the years go by, we have we have challenges. Um, you know, 2008, the recession. You know, you guys are pretty still, but the recession happened. Our restaurant did really well. And of course, uh, COVID happened. Our restaurant was closed 66 days. We only had takeout business, and that was it. But God has God has blessed our business. Our men's group was started with 10, grew to 175. Then COVID happened in 55, but it's going back up. We have Zoom as well. But it's just amazing how God's blessed our restaurant. I mean, really, people come in and feel something special about this place. It's how we grab it. really is. So um, I had a stroke in August, two years August, I had a stroke. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, I'm in decent shape. I work out three or four times a week. I'm feeling pretty good. But it was a stroke. I shouldn't be dead. I really shouldn't be dead. You know, God scared me. And so, um, 
there's decent challenges to me, for sure. Um, but anyway, that, that's kind of my story. Um, I, I want to encourage you guys, you guys are here, which is just amazing. And you know, be that light, to be, to be the light to your teammates. You, you are on stage. You're going to be on stage. You're an athlete in Carolina. You're involved here. You're on stage. You're classmates and teammates. And that's a great platform. It's a great platform to be sharing Christ. Do you mind if you take questions? I do not mind. Anybody have any questions? You can pass around a microphone and see if it's good. Um, I have a question. Or we have a question? Dawn has a question? I'll let Dawn go first. What high school did you guys do in Newville? North Bunk. Woo! Why not? No way. <laughs> no, I didn't. No,
these students here are Pour it on them. Protect them. Have them have great years in their athletics, in their academics. Let them be a light to others who are Let them feel your presence. Let them feel your hedge of protection around them. Let them feel you holding them tightly in your right hand. Let them feel your peace, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.